My name is Monica Staten. I am a contributor to the Chicago Jazz Magazine. You are listening to The Future Is Now, a series that I have developed to shine a light on up-and-coming artists in Chicago and beyond. Today's guest is drummer Isaiah Spencer. Isaiah Spencer was born and raised in Chicago, Illinois. He got his star playing drums in church on Sundays. Isaiah attended Lincoln Park High School, where he studied theory and harmony, as well as concert band and orchestra. During his sophomore year, he joined the jazz band. Isaiah began to adapt quickly and was recommended to the All-City Jazz Band, where he studied with Dr. Curtis Prince. Isaiah has also studied with Ernie Adams, Dana Hall, and Ronald Carter. Since 1998, Isaiah has been an active figure in the Chicago music scene, mentored by saxophonists Von Freeman and Fred Anderson. He is one of uh, the most in-demand drummers in the Chicago jazz scene. So how are you today? Well, all right. Just sitting and relaxing before I hit tonight. That's okay. All. Uh, where, where are you playing tonight? Actually, I'm playing at the middle. Oh, wow. Okay. Nice. Nice. Um, who are you playing with? Man. With, with uh, Pete Benson and uh, Dave Miller. Okay. Okay. Um, what What do you miss um, most uh, since um, quarantine? Well, like I said, um, I miss... I really miss the, the connection and the camaraderie you have with your fellow musicians, the community, mm-hmm. even the audience. You know, those are things that, that really, really, you know, you thrive on that. And just that, you know, that whole human connection. I mean, music is, you know, just as organic as anything else. That whole that whole interaction, I really miss that. You know, the money is great and all, mm-hmm. and I really miss that part of it. Being able to play with your fellow musicians and you know, express yourself. You know, it's like, you know, it's like walking around with a, with a gag in your mouth, so yeah. to speak. Okay. Is there a silver lining any anywhere in this for you? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, not just for myself, mm-hmm. but for other artists, because now a lot of us are starting to see that we don't need a lot of these venues to make a living if you're smart about it. Mm-hmm. And it's forcing a lot of us to do other things and, and, and explore other pa- platforms. You, you shouldn't have to reinvent yourself. If you got to reinvent yourself, then you'll know who you are. Mm-hmm. But you do have to, you, we, we are looking at other ways and other ways and other avenues of being creative and even being, being business savvy, tech savvy. You know, it's forcing a lot of us to have to you know, learn a lot of these things or even just really get involved. And then after, you know, just, you know, after that, I believe that it'll create, this will create a better camaraderie amongst musicians and and, and create more collaborations, you know, just out of, out of the fact of humility and the fact we haven't been able to play with one another. And, you know, a lot of ideas have been growing, you know, there's a lot of social issues that have been going on. Mm-hmm. But anyway, 
Okay. You know, yeah. So with all that being said, I think there's a there's gonna be a lot to come out of this. For me, it's 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 really I really been focused on you know just being very business savvy and looking really exploring the avenues of of how and where to do you know to do what we do and and create revenue as well, but. You know, with this with this downtime, yeah, a lot of us, are, you know, are, are really exploring the shit. And I know I am. Okay. So, hopefully at the end of the tunnel, you know, a lot of us come out of this with more power and the club will be more understanding of that. Mm-hmm. And and even the people who we play for will be more appreciative of that. Okay. Okay. We're in phase four of uh, the Illinois COVID reopening. Um, how are you getting back to a, a new normal? And how do you envision your new normal? Well, this is, I mean, the new normal is going to be, you're going to have to walk in these clubs with a mask. you got to make sure you stay up off people. I mean, you know, you want you to be social, but you still got to make sure you maintain your distance. You're giving your bowls. You know, you got a quality mask, whatever, a KN95 or whatever mask you're rocking. Um, and you know, just understanding that 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 perspective of it, and that's really hard, you know. So, and just from the experience last night, you know, it's going to be an interesting road back to that to that to this this uh, idea of what's normal. But uh, um, right now, you know, I think right now everybody's still testing. Why everybody's real skeptical? They're like, I just think it's too early. I just think it's too early. I mean, in terms of, of doing certain things, yes, absolutely. And, you know, in terms of how, even how, how structurally a lot of these clubs are going to be set up, because there's not going to be any horn and vocals. And a good friend of mine, you know, we were discussing this, you know, right when this hurt, when this hit. You know, I was actually, we were, I was on tour when all, when they started shutting everything down and I was playing with the, uh, Desmond Douglas and Darius Jones, and they were in New York. And mm-hmm. that was just when they down New York, so everybody was spooked. So anyway, we were all talking about, man, you know when this comes back. And then there'll be no horns, and then there'll be no votes. We're going to have to all wear masks. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be duos and trios. And that's as far as it's going to get. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's going to be pretty hard for people to, to you know, take a drink and put the mask back on. And, you know, it's, gonna, it, it's, it's been very interesting to watch. You know, like seeing it up hand, you know, I've, I've given this a test run. And you know, you know, I have some things later on in the summer, not not right away. But uh, you know, this new norm, <laughs> we'll be all right though. I, I mean, if once we get, once we adapt to it and just understand this what it is, we'll we'll, we'll get back because so. we, we we create. We're our artists. That's what we do. Okay. But the new norm is um, it's quite interesting. Okay. Um, you have a, an extraordinary sound, um, very rounded and clear, um, a recognizable sound um, that has intentional extremes. Um, it's sometimes laid back and then it goes deeply, uh, steeped in roots and tradition. Um, an example of this is your playing on Baker's Dozen a song you recorded in 2016 with uh, Junius Paul um, at the Comfort Station. A recording that's on uh, ISM, um, Junius Paul's latest CD. Um, who helped you create your sound? 
How did it come about? Oh, man, I have to be real, 100% honest. There are so many people that I have to say help create my sound, but, mm-hmm. you know, uh, definitely studying with, with Professor, you know, Dr. Ron Carter. I mean, you know, really teaching me the importance of knowing the tradition of the music and, and being and studying and researching that. And then, um, you know, of course, my, my earlier teachers about just the fundamentals of drumming and, and understanding that. But really, it really, really came from playing at the Velvet Lounge and being around Fred Anderson and Hami Drake and Harrison Bankhead and Fred Hopkins and Malachi Favors and Avril Rob. You know, a lot of a lot of the, the Elder Von Freeman. You know, I can go down. I can go down the list. Buzz Cochran, there was so many guys, man. Uh, 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 Ajay you know, when he was when he was still living, another great drummer. Chad Taylor when he was living here. But being around that scene mm-hmm. and playing with, with musicians such as Fred and 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 other creative musicians, which is what led me and many of my other contemporaries to 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 the AACM, the Association for the Advancement. Of all creative musicians, which led me to other creative musicians such as Cole Mitchell and you know David Boykin, which was my first real performance, real touring band. Mm-hmm. But David Boykin, so you know, and playing with my own contemporaries, Corey, Corey Wilkes, Maria Brown, you know, um, really being around that, but then studying, you know. West African music and studying Middle Eastern music and then traveling to these places, you know, like going to the Carson going to the Karagama and, and and so forth and going to Lagos, Nigeria and and, and studying with, with Baba Tunde Lake. You know what I mean? Just so many different um, different influences and different styles and then I come from a background of playing in the church as we spoke as you spoke on mm-hmm. and then also grow up, growing up being a, a, a hip-hop MC you know what I'm saying tag and b-boy mm-hmm. <clears throat> that has a lot to do with with, with how I, I incorporate and use I guess an ethnomusicology, ethnomusicology type of approach mm-hmm. to get my sound because I come, I mean, you know, and then, you know, it has a lot to do with how you grew up, man. I'm, I grew up in, 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 in the Cabrini Green area. So that's a different, that's a different, that's a different way of growing up, you know. And, you know, I'm, I mean, I've, I've been through all the programs such as Merritt and, you know, all those good things in, in the city, but, I mean, your, your upbringing got a lot to do with that too, you know, with how you, you know, and that's the, you know, we think about the guys that played, you know, our predecessors that we idolize and revere in such high regard. The reason they played the way they played, it wasn't just musical genius, it was also because of the, the, the social and economic conditions from which they were living in, you know, which has been birthed a lot of that. Mm-hmm. You, know. you know, we take a lot of that for granted now because, you know, we're 50, 60 years behind you, uh, and these cats now. But we can hit a button and transcribe everything they just did in one button. Mm-hmm. So, but... You know, being around the playing around the being around the velvet, being a part of the, the AACM and, and playing with with so many different musicians who have taught me how to use sound, how to use rhythm, and how to how to 
to how to create a voice, and then furthermore, encouraging um, encouraging us to have a, encouraging me to have a voice. You know, of course, I had a lot of your predecessors and knowing the history and the roots of the music that and music that you deal in, but really pushing for you to have an individual voice, which is which is the which is the the goal of any artist or musician to have an individual sound. But it should be in, in relationship to things that have come before you. And then, you know, whatever you spit out or regurgitate afterward is what it is. But yeah, I mean, those experiences and being around, you know, hanging around and late night with Fred and him, you know, locking the door on us and, and, and drilling us with, with blood pal and, you know, going down and playing with Fred before the lunch break, before the, before the workers came in and got their little drink in with the old velvet. You know, those times, me and him just playing duo, and I mean, you know, I, I, I was blessed and, and grateful, and, and I'm, I'm extremely grateful. You know, a lot of these, of course, a lot of these musicians we speak of have transitioned and, you know, and moved on, but man, I mean, that's where my sound comes from, and it comes from, you know, where I'm from. Mm-hmm. You know, I represent that area, you know, I say area, I do a lot of community work in that area, too, you know. But uh, um, and all around the city. But I mean, yeah, you know. So it's a gift, you know. Being and then when you're rooted in giving back, Monica, you don't really have to. Really, your sound comes from the idea when you create a sound or you have a, an identifiable sound for the most part. Usually, that that's because cats have given to you, and you should be giving giving back. Mm-hmm. You know, not from a, you know, or, hey, look at me type of sound. Because, you know, you got that type of sound, too. You know, you got a cast that's identical because identified with like, oh, yeah, look at him. Yeah. Okay. You know, not necessarily like, ooh, it's in the music. Like, oh, you know, like, just, ooh, you know, hit you, hit you with the spirit, you know. But, yeah, you know, but nonetheless, it, you know, they both can be effective depending on the, the, the idea of the listener or, or the, the, the escape of, 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 of the situation. It can all be different. You know, it's all rotary. It's all subjective. Anyway, but being around the velvet, yes. So how, how do you describe your individual sound, if you had to describe it? It's a, heter- it's a heterogeneous mixture of, of, of listening to West African music, studying the tradition of the, of the great drummers before me, my predecessors, as well as studying modern music and, and being influenced by, by modern music such as hip hop and trap and, and electro pop and, you know and, and so and, and so many other and then you know growing up playing all these different styles. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, played bar mistress, I played, you know, I played I, I used to play in a disco band. We used to travel me and a couple buddies hip around here, used to play in a bit of disco band. We used to have to put them those damn got in the sequel suits on and damn wigs and we would go back and forth to Vegas. I mean, I've done a lot of different things from that. Played in a bunch of different blues bands and worked the blues scene, you know. So I've, I've, you know, I'm well versed here. So that, that also has a lot to do with mm-hmm. how I got my sound. But my sound is just a mixture of all of those different experiences and and people that I that have influenced me and helped me, you know, and encouraged me to have a sound. That my, my sound is, is 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 a mixture of all of them, but it's a sound where you're going to always be able to get up and dance. That's one thing that I pride myself on, is being a drummer, mm-hmm. making people dance. So my sound, in terms of how I describe it, I am a, I'm a dance drummer. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I won't see, I'm, I'm not, yeah, see, like I said, this is subjective. When you're in a situation where we're dealing with a different concept of how the music is moving, and that's not the, the primary goal at the time, then that's a different, okay, we're talking different. But that's a, it's still a dance, it's just not the, the sequence, the sequential dance that we think of. Nonetheless, as a drummer, you are in heart. So when you play a, when you play a group, you know, people think it's got something to do with you playing two and four and playing a backbeat on, on time. No, it doesn't. You can do that playing any any particular groove or rhythm or, or cycle if you're talking about uh, you know in, you know Middle Eastern music or Indian, you know, Indian cycles, blah 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 blah. But it's about being willing to submit to that. And a lot of drummers nowadays are not willing to do that. Mm-hmm. Now for me, that you know that goes back to me in, in development. But for me, I'm a dance drummer. My sound is is what the people is is predicated on the people. It's not predicated on musicians. It's predicated on how the people are are, are where the people what the people. Want. So my job in, in that in terms of and being an entertainer on top of being a a, a musician and artist freedom of expression blah, blah, blah. Give them, we're going to ask them to pay this amount of money, give them that. So I'm always looking to make you dance, make my fellow musicians dance, and that's what brings everybody together. That's the community. My sound is community. It's a community where anybody can jump in and play. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just like playing double. You know what I'm saying? When you get that groove going, and everybody, even if you play, even if you're a little rusty, it may take you a couple of little wops, wops. <laughs> And once you once you get the timing and the synchronization back that you once had, or even have a little bit, then we all in it. And that's what that's what my sound is. It's a communal sound, but it's a heterogeneous mixture of all of those different experiences with these different people in these different places. And and always focusing on bringing people together by being a dance drummer and making wanting and believing that people will get up and dance. Okay. You know, um, my next question, um, I've known you for many years, um, Isaiah, you're an inclusive musician and a scene builder here in Chicago. You're one of uh, the few musicians that gets older and younger musicians together from varying backgrounds to jam, um, which is rare these days in Chicago. Um, This makes you a leading figure in the Chicago jazz scene. What advice do you give young artists starting out and wanting to make a difference? Well, you have to know what it is to be an artist, and you have to want to be an artist for that purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, and that's, you know, back to the previous questions, you know, that's the importance of, and why, you know, where I got the information from because these these musicians, these these gentlemen and and women, they you know because I can't forget about Diane Ellis and so many other women that have helped. But nonetheless, these people helped to shape the idea and and teach me what it is to be an artist. So you have to understand that first. You understand the artistry. Understand what it is that you want to do because it can be done. You know, it's gonna always be naysayers about. Oh, well, you're going to be a starving artist, and oh, you're not going to make any money, and you sure what you want to do, and blah, 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 blah. How much do you think about this? I've been through all of it. 
I went against the whole brand. Everybody in my family, hey, you don't be no one, hey. Well, you gonna get broke, motherfucker. And, you know, I'm from the hood. You know, motherfucker, you gotta think about, you wanna bestow your trade? You wanna do that? You know, I, I, I mean, that is what it is. Nonetheless, know, it is, know, know what it is to be an artist. And if you, you want to be an artist, make sure that, this is my mission statement. I'm not here for anybody else, but the idea is to, and, and Sam probably knows this because, you know, this is, I, I, I realize it used to be at Multicoot, at Multicoot, the place where we played it. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? But the idea of the artist is to make the revolution irresistible. Hmm. I like that. And, that is really, and it really stuck with me. I mean, it's always, I've always believed that, but because when you're an artist and you're, it doesn't matter how much money you make, mm -hmm. because when you, when you are a genuine artist and you change genuinely with it, give, like we were talking about the communal perspective and commun build, community building and blah, blah, this and blah, blah, that, da, 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 the scene will always take care of you. You may not, you may not get to be Ariana Grande. You may not get to be at a Chris Potter status. You may not get a, a, a Jeff Tang Watt status. But what we have to understand is the times are different. Mm -hmm. So the way the music is promoted and the times and the places for which the music is promoted, which we think those cats are in their 50s and 60s, uh, 50s, hitting 60s now. So, you know, you, they, they were around in the 80s and the 90s. You know, those cats broke the bank. That's when people were willing to invest in jazz. You had all the tobacco companies and everybody else. Investing again, jazz. You had to do Morier Festival. You know, uh, I mean, Philip Morris used to dump a shitload of money into these jazz festivals, believe it or not. You know what I'm saying? But mm -hmm. point blank, point being, you know, so be not, you may not get to that status, but keep doing what you're doing. But when you, if, and you don't have to go to school and invest a quarter of a million dollars to do it. If you're going to invest a quarter of a million dollars into your future, I, I suggest and I tell if you want to study music, make sure that you want to study music so that you can really, really be in it. Don't just study and just say, oh, yeah, da, 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 da. study something else and be this. It's okay. Joshua Redman did it. And there's so many other artists. Hell, Ben Hall has a fucking degree in fucking aerospace engineering. What the fuck? On top of a doctorate and a master's. And did a fucking stint with both before he fucking decided he wanted to play music. So I mean, you know, the the, the possibilities and realms of, of of what we can do is endless. Anyway, but you know, for young artists, do it because you love. Mm -hmm. And and I encourage all all artists that want to learn how to play and want to play. Let's go. Let's let's get it. You know, what I mean, this is you know, and this is the. When we think about our predecessors, this is how Art Blakey survived so long. Because he was willing to, even through all his demons, we can talk about all this, that, and the other, blah, blah, blah. But his willingness to share the stage with these cats, when a lot of cats don't do that, Monica. And that, that, that it goes back to what we just talked about. A lot of musicians are not willing because our egos will not allow us to. Mm -hmm. That's something else we have to learn as fourth young artists. We all have an ego, and that is great because that is what shapes and molds artists. But also, as an artist, we don't like to use the word humble because then that, is, that becomes a lesser than perspective. Mm -hmm. But what you can use is understanding and being willing and open-minded to absorb what goes on around you. Because we don't all know everything. 
and being willing, because even the young, youngest cat that you may think ain't shit can come up and hit you with some shit and you like, oh, right. And you know, can can change your whole perspective of how you think about things. So you have to be willing to be open-minded like that. But if you're coming around, you know, as an artist thinking, oh, well, I, I, I'm an artist, yeah. And unfortunately, that's what a lot of these music schools and a lot of these these other, some of our, uh, my, my predecessors and, 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 com- and comrades, they go around pushing that shit. Well, I'm so-and-so, so I don't have to associate with the same. I have to come out. Everybody's job, that's what I mean by community. As an artist, make sure you're doing it because you want to be a part of something. You want to be part of something different. You want to create a change. You want to be different. You want to make a difference. That's the biggest thing as an artist, to want to make a difference in the world and, and be willing to always share and being willing to create with others. That's how, I mean, that's the point of, of how you break language. This is what breaks language barriers. This is the one universal language that everybody speaks and you ain't got to utter one word. So when you go back and talk about my sound and all that, I, I pride myself on that and I've experienced that in all different places. I'd be sitting down playing like there was one time I was giving some clinics in, in, in Nigeria on, on just, you know, some modern drum set stuff. And I started playing a rhythm, just, you know, just improvising. And then I, I'm, I look up and then there, there's seven, eight, oh, there's eight, nine, there's seven, eight, then there's ten other, other drummers playing. Mm-hmm. And we got this, this huge orgy and rhythm going. Like, and everybody's happy in their spot. Nobody's trying to, look at me, I'm going to cut you. Or, hey, I'm going to take your spot. Everybody's happy where they are. So even if you just playing through, Whatever it is you plan, being willing to play your role. So as an artist, you have to be willing to play your role no matter what the situation is. There will be situations where they'll be asked more of you. There will be situations where they'll be asked less of you. You have to be willing to to be open-minded. I'm not going to use that word, humble. You have to be willing to be open-minded to understand how that perspective works. Now, you also have to be understanding that every situation is not going to work for you. You have to be uh, true to yourself as an artist and, and know that. Now, there are some of those experiences that help to build. Like, I've been through a lot of it. I played on the cruise ship, you know, playing the same stuff seven nights a week, you know, you know, what, six, seven, what, six months, either get you, you know what I mean? So, you know, just doing it for the right reason. Don't, don't, don't chase money. Don't chase the money. Because it's real easy for us to get caught up in, 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 in chasing money. And that follows in suit with, we're talking about trendsetters. Or being a, that's the thing as an artist, you want to be a trendsetter. You want to be different than what the next person is doing. You don't want to sound like the next person standing next to you. You know, everybody has this little, and that's the thing now with a lot of our youth. They, they're not taught to be individual. They're scared to be individual because either they're shunned by society or they're shunned from the inner circle. So, you know, as an artist, don't be afraid of that. If your artist, if your artistry is esoteric and eclectic, and and totally off the wall, where it takes it, it takes a certain group of people to understand, and sometimes it takes a while for you to get to it. Hey, hell, look at John, John Coltrane. John Coltrane didn't fucking play John stuff till he was thirty-seven, or thirty-six years old. After all that shit with Miles and all this other shit. So when you think about stuff like that, man, it, it, you know. And then you think about, you know, my predecessors, like Fred and those guys, they never really got the do that they deserve. 
But they people all around the world know who these people are. They ain't living in mansions. They ain't living high up and so forth and whatnot. You know, and some of them died, bro. Mm-hmm. You know, and some was smart. So that's what I mean. Make sure that you do it for the right reason. And when you leave this, when you, if you decide to be an artist, when you leave this space, what will be the imprint that you left on society? You have to, that, 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 I mean, all of, you know, I don't want to get too deep into the conversation. When you can become an artist. Now, there's a difference between being an artist and a musician and an entertainer and a so forth and so forth. You have to decide which one you want to be. You know what? Earlier, you spoke of uh, universal languages. And you've, you've never, um, have never heard you bite your tongue um, albeit uh, musically or theoretically. My next question is, um, these have been trying times. Um, we witnessed the killing of uh, George, George Floyd, um, um, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, and most recently, um, we're coming to find out about the, the death or murder of uh, Elijah McClain. As a musician and teacher, how do you begin conversations about racism and policing in America? Well, that's a very interesting question because I work on two different sides of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Now, I go to a whole other system where, you know, you know, you know, we talk about it, you know, but they don't, they don't, they don't, you know, we don't get into it too much. But the thing is, I will say on that side that a lot of these students are open-minded enough now, you know, because as as they get younger, they become more and more open-minded. Mm-hmm. You always have that balance of you know what's. But for the most part, on that side, they're 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 starting because they're understanding the human rights perspective of it, and that's what's going to push the change. Anyway, so on that side, that's what we talk about over there, and, and understanding. And, and, and respecting the cultures from whence this music came. Mm-hmm. You know, now, on my side where is where I'm at, you know, we get we get real. You know, we talk about what it is. And what nothing nothing is going to be given to you. See the issue is everybody's looking for someone to give us. And that's not gonna happen. We're looking for them to bail us out is not going to happen. They can change the monument, they can change our, our list, it's not going to bail us out. Because one thing we still got to look at, we can talk about systemic racism, it is definitely fucking prep. We don't have to make too many issues about whether it's not, whether it is or it's not. We both know and more, multiple people know that. Here's the thing, we have to address how we have, how we have to stop killing each other. And the young men I work with are at-risk men. I, you want to know a funny story? You know that young man that, that uh, sent the police on that, on that chase? Yes. One of my former students. Oh, wow. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not a joke, man. Mm-hmm. It's just not a game. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, just had a couple of other students just got shot. I got, I mean, you know, this shit's not a game. And even though, I, you know, you, you're not going to save them all. The goal is to, but for us, when we when we're on that side, I'm like, man, you're not getting saved that way. You have to save yourself. And if if you are going to allow 
these things. And then I'm fronting, and you know, I, I can't blame all them, which is why we do what we do, because a lot of these brothers and sisters are broken. They don't know what it is. And and, and we, we, we also, you got to transcend to the music perspective in a minute. Nonetheless, a lot of these brothers and sisters are broken. So the mentalities from which they came in when it's so generational and it's been drilled in and drilled in and you just see this and see this, it's very hard for them to get out of it. Man, I got students, man. They can't leave a two-block radius. Mm-hmm. They can't go to the gas station on the corner because they will get shot. Ain't no maybe. They will get shot. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it, this shit, so for when I speak to them, I tell them that we have to do it ourselves. Now, we, of course, not just ourselves by ourselves. That's, that's a whole different, I'm not, I'm not, we, we can't, can't have that conversation. Because any motherfucker stupid enough to believe that we're going to have that conversation and believe we're going to do it, it it's not going to happen. And we, can get, we, we ain't got to talk too deep about that. Point being, we have to understand that we can't keep attacking each other and then look at them for attacking us. So but when I talk to them, and, I, and that's another reason why I encourage the arts and, 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 and um, really, really explore the idea of creativity with, with all of them. But, you know, with these brothers in a different perspective and with my, with my white counterparts in a different perspective. But being open-minded, because the only way to be truly creative is to be open-minded. So if you're not open-minded, that's the same thing we're talking about in relevance to the situations and all that shit. It's very life and or, it's very life-driven and organic. But if you're not open-minded to any to, to to those situations and understanding how what it is to be creative and tap into it, and that's part of the problem why you have so much of this violence because there isn't enough programs to, to teach these brothers and sisters how to be creative. You know what I mean? And the, you know now, you know with what's going on. We have to understand that this country is built off exactly what is happening. And unfortunately, the conversation always gets twisted from human rights to civil rights. Then now we're talking about defunding the police. That's not the fucking issue. The issue, see, and, and that now, this goes now. You want to know what's funny about that? That's the same way that a lot of these musicians who have profited from black organic organisms and black mechanical fun- and black functions, or even or either stolen from black functions. You know, I mean, well, what's up? You know what I mean, like, what, what's that? So. Now, you have to, you got to acknowledge that. We have to acknowledge what it is and what, and, and where, where we go from that. You know, so that idea of what we're talking about, that, that carry, it, it's all music is built off the social perspectives of what it comes from. Like we just talked about earlier about why that music was so great back then. Look at all the issues they had to go through. Look at how much they had to fight. A lot of them cats fall through addiction, fall through this, fall through that, fall through this, fall through that, to be able to make some fucking music. You know what I'm saying? And turn out some of the greatest shit. Like I said, some of these motherfuckers, we don't even still be about that the most of us don't even know about. That's how deep this shit runs. You know what I'm saying? But point being, 
that systemic idea of how the shit is corrupted and co-opted is not going to change until you start talking about human rights, which talks about equality. When you start, the, 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 people, that's why you never hear equality screaming. It's all a mask and mirrors, which is the same thing with how this music is being taught. They're teaching you in smoke and mirrors. The same way in society, they're teaching you in smoke and mirrors. None of this is a secret. The only thing is, is that now, and the same way we have to treat the music, now they're getting bold, bold enough to just disenfranchise the black perspective of what the music is, and now they're incorporating all this shit that's not what it is. Mm-hmm. So now a lot of goes, goes back to what we were talking about. So now a lot of guys, a lot of youth, a lot of younger guys who want to be artists, they following this, thinking that's what it is. Now I'm not talk, talking about those who have musical evolutions that led them to where they are, like the Brian Blade, like the Jeff Tang ones. All these guys that, that do play, you know, different other things than what they played 20, 30 years ago. They should not be playing the same thing they played 20, 30 years ago. Nobody should. You know what I mean? Nonetheless. So all of those different little systems and little little pockets of oppression, it all trickles down into the artistry of the music, and or the artistry of the music and the artistry of the arts in, in general. Look at all the all of, all of that has been extracted from the communities. Now they're put in. I teach in a school where that is that is that's. I mean, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. I, I teach. They took all. Look, I grew up in 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 small programs around the city. You know, there's not a lot of that. You know, you can, you know, the some of the park districts have so many different things. You had baseball teams, you had this, you had that. You don't even have that anymore. You know, and, and the funding for it has just been exact, exactly zapped out, just like the, the resources within the community. So all of those different things from which a lot of us learn to play music and, and, and those different programs and organizations, they've been extracted out and then put it into other places. Like, for instance, you know, like, you know, Midwest Young Artists basically developed out of what? Gallery 37. Mm-hmm. Which is where we learned how to play. That's how I got in court. That's how I got introduced to Professor Carter. Because he ran the one in South Shore. And there was multiple ones around the city. There was one in Humboldt Park where they played nothing but Latin music. And one downtown in, in Grand Park where the dance floor is. They played nothing but like salt with Afro Cuban. You had different bands where they dealt with this, that, and the other. And then blah, 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 and Block 37 and all that shit. Anyway, but all of those different things have been treated the same way that we have been treated socially. You know, but then everybody gets mad at Nick Hayden saying what he said. Because what, you know, regardless of what you think about him musically, that's your the subjective. But it's a lot of truth to it. And this is black classical music. You know, we don't, and, and, you know, what's even deeper is that we cannot even be in touch with it because now, in order for us to be truly in touch with it, we have to go pay somewhere upwards of a hundred grand to a quarter of a million, three hundred thousand dollars to get a degree to be validated in an art form that's not really that, that's not really respected but it's 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 an art form where we all know that it's African American but it's been institutionalized. So when you think about the institutionalization, look at how our, look at how our young brothers and sisters are being slowly fed to the to the pipeline pipeline profit. You've been playing jazz for over 20 years. It's been over 20 years. In which way, um, in what way 
Do you think jazz music is different today than it up than it was when you started out playing? Well, I mean, a lot, a lot, a lot of the set, a lot of the, like we just talked about. Mm-hmm. For instance, we talked about the idea of just grooving and swinging, like just laying it down. Just if you got to keep it simple, just to keep the pocket going, then you do what you got to do to 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 be to become a one with the music. Nowadays, it's taught for everybody to just fight mm-hmm. for own sound. See, that's that's not how you get a sound. See, people now are are, are enforcing themselves, and I hate to use the word rape, but that's really what it becomes. Because musical rape, because now it's not about the, the, the embracing the femininity, the femininity of the music, which is where so I'm talking about dynamics and shades and tones and colors and blah 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 and all these other little intimate little perspectives of the music. Now it's just been, oh, look at me. And with how music is being taught and and, and being berated with, with social systems like Facebook and, and Instagram. We're forced to be, it's forcing, it's it's making musicians into individuals as opposed to looking to a community bill, like what we talked about early in this conversation. It's more about, hey, I'm going to post this video, I want you to look at me and see what I do, and that's it. Now, when I was coming up, we didn't have it. We couldn't go, it wasn't no YouTube. You couldn't go to YouTube, man, that's why I have stacks and stacks of CDs. Because we didn't have YouTube, we didn't have all that. You, I mean, if you was in transcribing, I, I, you know, you transcribed. Whatever, so whatever it is you did, just to an album a hundred times, whatever, whatever it took. But now, you know, that's so easily obtainable for for most that they take it for granted, and they even still don't dig it because now we're talking about. The idea of what it is to be a part of the community. We're not talking. We're not teaching everybody what to be, it is to be a part of the community. Mm-hmm. We're teaching everybody what it is to be an individual, and that's great. But you also have to teach. That's why you have so many. We talk about hate and race. That's what it is. It's all part of the same prejudice. Da, 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 da. You have to teach people. We have to teach these the, the young musicians how to to bridge that gap. When we were when we were coming up, we were taught to bridge that gap. And the funny thing about when I grew up, see, all of this stuff wasn't on the north side. You had to come to the south side. Mm-hmm. You, it, it wasn't all this stuff up here. There was no whistler. There was no this. You, you go over there where the whistler at night, you got shot at. Guaranteed. Fulton and Milwaukee, California, shit. Yeah, I bet you would. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, point being, wasn't none of this up here. So everything was south. When we talk about the great, the, 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 you know, some of the cats I mentioned, like Fred's joint. 22nd in Indiana, and then Cermak and, and in between Indiana and, and Michigan. You know what I'm saying? And then you think about Vaughn's joint, 75th, right there in the middle of the hood. You know what I'm saying? Between King Drive and St. Lawrence. You know, you think about city life, you know, when the great, when Joey Vaughn, you know, another great vocalist, you know, helped, helped us with our, with our stuff. Anyway, but she was on 83rd. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this stuff, like the, you have the the, uh, the community band, the Ken Chaney Grand over here at um, uh, what's the park over here? Kennecott at Kennecott Park. You know, the workshop band where you can show up on what is it? I think it was Tuesdays and Thursdays. 
and you just sit in with the band and you know they bust out tunes work on your reading and all that stuff um the bands that they used to do it the same thing they used to do at the promontory many years ago they used to have that you know a lot of those you know a lot so when we were coming up those guys forced us to learn the traditions of the music you could not go around it and because we didn't have them system we had to learn it that way and, a te- and the idea of teaching is now different. You know, we grew up with with with, with cat- you know, smacking hands with a wooden spoon. This, you know, Danny, you know, you know, Mr. Miyagi style. And that cuss you out and tell you that shit ain't happening. Nowadays, you can't, you can't, you can't use that with most students because you'll probably get sued and they'll probably start crying and all that and stuff. And I understand. You know, those systems are are, are very Jurassic, like Carter. You know, those cats they will tell you brutally what it is, man. Bitch, ain't swing and. Bro, you sound man. You just, you know, they wouldn't, you know, and and in that system of learning or how they did because the old cat, they tell you know, like think about it. when your grand when your grandma or your grandpa would be like, boy, you ain't talking about shit. It's that type of shit, you know. But that's of an African tradition, and most most of us understand. So so Casey, someone asks, what what's your earliest music memory? Like just going back, you, you're speaking on uh, traditions and. Yeah, can you describe that? Like just thinking back, um, your earliest music memory and why you chose drums as your way of expression. Didn't choose drums. Drums chose me. Okay. So I mean, there I've done uh, I've done a lot in between playing the drums. Tried playing the trumpet. I played played the trumpet for years because I couldn't play the drums in the band. But mm-hmm. you know. So we'll take us to the drums. My God says to play the drums. I see you want me to speed it up, so I'm going to speed it up for you. My God says to me to play the drums. Um, I learned that in church. Mm-hmm. But it was just a natural attraction. It naturally mm-hmm. drew that to me, naturally spoke to me. And no, and, and even through all my knuckleheaded endeavors, you know, gang banging and all the different things that I've done, you know, inside of that, those also play a role in my experiences. But inside of all of that, the drums have always been there, and it's it's just something you know that when I sit down, it is naturally what I do. You know, I I didn't really, I mean, I started you know, once I found out what I needed to do, you know, in terms of it. Yeah, I mean, I started studying and working hard, but then you know, I even then I didn't take it seriously. It took a couple of the elder cats to really, the elders to really sit me down and tell me for a time. But even still, yeah, the drums, I mean, I, it's not, I, I, they chose me, man. And then they've always followed me. They've always been there for me. So I can't really say, you know, what made me choose them. But one thing that's important about the drums, which fits with my, they, you know, they fit my personality. You know, you have to be willing to do what's right all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, if and that doesn't, and people mistake that as, as you know, being incompetent. You know, you have to always know where you are. You have to know that you have to know the music better than the than the musician that you're playing with. Now, some people look at that as arrogant. Da, 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 da. That's why people don't like Michael Jordan. That's why people don't like Kobe Bryant. Now, of course, you don't have to go to the extreme because you're still trying to communicate people. That's what I mean by being being an artist. See, they were artists. They were concerned with the artistry of basketball. Now, granted, in their elder years, they became they they started to see a bigger picture and. You know, they, they did, but for the most part, they was focused on art. So, anyway, but when I seen that that's what you needed to do and, 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 and be driven by that, you, you, you do that. 
So it's, it, yeah, and it's just naturally, it all natural. I've always focused in the natural situation. I never really had to seek it out. And now I sought it out. When I, once I started seeking it out, and really that's what I want to do, they all just come to me. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to the conversation of being an artist. If you're an artist and, you're, and your heart and your spirit and your mind is in the right place, all of these things come to you. You don't really have to seek them out. And then people will come. It's all part of the, 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 the give and take of the universe. People come to you. People will leave you. There's people that are meant to stay with you. There's people that are meant to leave you. But if your heart is in the right place, most people will usually stick around than leave Okay. And the drums is my that 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 fits me. I, I I care about people. I want to bring people together. I believe in speaking in multiple voices and tones, and all of those tones are relevant. But they still got to create a harmonious a, a harmonious uh you know type of sequence in some way and shape to 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 get the job done. All right, there you go. Um, as okay, you speak on harmony. Um. In music, especially improvised music, um, the drummer and the bass player are intertwined. Um, what do you like or want to see in a bass player to make the collaboration successful? When a bass player plays, usually you know from the first three, four beats what's happening. When you went out from a bass player, I want a bass player sound to be in relationship to the dance. Into moving because all sound, especially when we deal with sounds that are moving in, in rhythmic seek passages, so to speak, mm-hmm. the sound should be matching the rhythms. So when I'm playing with a bass player, what I'm looking for personally, I'm looking for a bass player, you know, that's going to have that same type of swag. With, with, like if I'm standing there dancing and, and I want to, you know, I'm, and I want to have that 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 thing. He, he's in the same space where I am. So I'm looking for that most, more important. Then your sound, you know, because as a bass player, it's really hard to get a, a natural sound. So, you know, they got a lot of things working against them. It takes years on top of years on top of years on top of years, you know. And, for, and you know, their hands be all decrepit and they're looking like E.T. <laughs> but they have to go through a lot of work. But when I'm looking for a bass player, I want to feel the same thing that I'm trying to feel. Because if I'm going to play four on the floor, which I'm always playing four on the floor, you know, tapping the bass drum, I want to feel where you are. That's why I'm playing four on the floor, so I can feel where you at. And so I can have that palette, because when the, when the, when the, when the beat is played correctly, the timing and the palette from which we're playing is just like, it's all, it's amazing. That spring is there, and that's what gets people to dance. I want a bass player, let me just sum it up. I want a bass player that want to make people dance like I want to make people dance. I'm not a bass player. That's, I'm not concerned with a bass player that's got a bunch of technique. They don't have a beat. You know, and that's, you know, we don't teach, you know, we don't talk about that a lot. But when I'm playing with a bass, I want him to be able to, I want to be able to, to move, and I want him to be able to move. When we got to move, we got to move, mm-hmm. you know. But, but uh, you know, and we both have to be open-minded to that. You know, I'm not one of those guys that, you know, this is where the beat is at. Now, unless I know for a fact this is where the beat is at, that's where the, uh, where, the, where the beat is at, where the beat is, then that's a whole other story. But if we both vibing on the beat together and we in the same spot, there's no greater feeling in the world. You need a bass player. Your bass player is like your best friend. He should be. Even if y'all don't talk off the stage. On the stage, he should be your best friend because the bass player will for the most part, will always keep you in the right place. If 
he's tonally in the right place and willing to do his job playing bass. A lot of bass players are now wanting to play all these, these as I'm pretty sure others can speak on in the background back there. Yeah, a lot of bass players have wanted, they want to go away from doing their job, want to play all the, the extra harmonics in between instead of just that, that, that thing. You know, and that's the, you know, so when I'm playing with a bass player, he got to have that sound and that thing. And when I work with younger cats, I, I, I you know, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm with all my students about dancing. Because when you dance, dancing is the same thing as playing. It's the same when you learn how to, how to bounce appropriately, then this, the idea of what it is to play a quarter note in a swinging, triple it, whatever type of pose makes sense. Because other than that, it's like you're trying to teach that cat or you're trying to teach these, teach, these, teach these cats and kittens or teach these men and women. You try to teach them and then, you know, they don't understand that. And the biggest problem is that they, they, they you know, they don't understand their fear. But for bass players, yeah, that's important. You got to have that going on with me and, and you know, vice versa. And, and even if your, your idea of it, like, you know, you got different angles of how the bass player can play the beat. You know, that's, that's a conversation we can go on for, like, hours and hours. We're not going to, but. I mean, literally, they all have different ways they play the beat. So it's a matter of understanding how he plays the beat and how I, I play the beat. And, and if he got, if he willing to give that thing, not necessarily the way I play that thing, but willing, you know, because it's still a compromise down the middle. Mm-hmm. So that's what I mean. It's like it's like having a healthy relationship. It's like being in a really good marriage. With all the musicians that you work with, which one or two do you believe is the closest to you musically? Closest to me musically? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I don't sound too. I don't sound too too uh, arrogant, bad, but they can't. They don't. We all do different things, mm-hmm. you know. So I don't compare myself to my contemporaries. Mm-hmm. I, I, I and I don't like I said not from that perspective, but. From a from a really just ground up, just a very organic perspective. My predators, my, my my contemporaries, we all have this. We all have a, a special gift. It's like the X Men. So you know, everybody has a special gift. He he's got the gift of blah 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 and blah 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 and blah blah blah. You know. So I will say this: that we all did that from the my predecessors, from Corey to my or my my contemporaries, excuse me, mm-hmm. from Corey to my the juniors to you know Justin, you know, even though I'm a little older, me and Corey are the older little guys. They came around after us. Mark Keith and Ryan and, and, and you know so many so forth and so on. They all have a special gift and a special a special place. So you know I do what I do from what you know what my strengths are and what the music leads me and pushes me to do. You know because it's all dictated by what the music tells. It's not necessarily what I want to do. It is what I want to do, but sometimes what you want to do, as you know, Monica, don't always it don't always pan out. No, so sometimes, yeah. So you, you know, it's not always about what you want to do. Sometimes the music, like even in terms of community, music, it, the music led me there, Monica. It was nothing. So like, I'm gonna. This is what I'm gonna. When I really started to study what it is to be an artist, a lot of those things were always talked about. And then when I really started I ended up I ended up running the session at the government. That was my one of my first real you know, first real and I'm thankful to Fred for that, for coming to me and asking me to do that. You know, because I grew up going to the Villa. So it was an honor 
But I grew up watching the film and watching Dennis and watching Matna. You know, I remember when Matna Roberts, another great outsole sister from here, from the public schools. She's out on the East Coast now. Anyway, but, you know, going up and watching these guys and then going and watching Fred and Hamid and Harrison and Fred Hopkins, all these legends going to play at the Velvet. Can you tell and me then, about um, a few of uh, your more memorable gigs that you've played? Memorable? Mm-hmm. Those that just um, stand out. Well, I mean, there have been quite a few. Um, I don't know. I don't know. There was a, what, what was that? 2007? We were on tour with Ernst in Chicago 12 and um, played in Paris and played one of his pieces. I think that might have been uh, Shades of Charade, Chicago 7 trial. I think that was it. But we did that. And, and like, man, the way the people received it, I mean, you know, we put, and it was a packed house having about 6,000 people in there, 7,000 people. And because we'd be playing for the uh, Sony Bird Festival. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we played, and that piece, you know, we had Kahari B, you know, with spoken words, so it got really deep, you know, a lot of things. You know, Kahari, you know, Kahari B's work, he's not afraid to go there either. Mm-hmm. So. He got really deep, but these people, but the French really received it on another level, and we really brought out that 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 energy. And and we played, we came back and did an encore because you know the set was supposed to have been ninety minutes, and we ended up coming to the Gelson encore. We played like another hour and a half, so it was like three hours. We came off the stage, and everybody was just looking at us. That, you know, that, those are the type of moments where you know the music is, is taking over. It's not about any of us on or on that stage. Music takes over. So that's one. Um, man, there's so many. Um, well, there's, I mean, the great musical experiences that I've experienced with Fred, man. I mean, Fred, you know, you know, Fred Anderson. Yes. Took me under his and, uh, you know, it showed me a lot, man. Like I said, man, Fred used to have, used to have me come down and work out with him on 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 on, on Wednesdays or Thursdays because he would be in there in the morning. And Fred was a relentless practice. He practiced relentless. Some people know that who know Fred. Fred would go in there and get it in when ain't nobody around. Mm-hmm. Then and you get to the door, Fred be putting up his black tenor, You know what I'm saying? But those moments of going to work out with Fred and, you know, all of these gigs that, you know, like, you know, me and Fred and, and Topsa, we started the MCA Music on the Terrace series. Hmm. You know, we started this series many years ago. Us. It was only us. There were no other bands. It was only us. You know, but anyway, the, the experiences with Fred, uh, uh, that, the, you know, those memorable performances at the MCA and would be packed, you know, Doing those type and, and just being able to freely create. Um, let's see. Man. Oh, well, with, with my fellow brethren uh, in our group, Abstract Post, with Corey Wilkes and Junius Paul and Kevin Neighbors and um, and uh, Jemani Taylor. That was a, that's a, and Scott Hesse. Those are, those are great times. You know, we have an album that came out, Cries from the Ghetto, High Recording. Anyway, but I mean, like the, the process in which we made that album, that was a that was a great experience, a great performance. When we did the exchange, 
um, between the New Orleans musicians and the Chicago musicians. I think that was 2006. That was beautiful because, you know, Maurice brought a lot of guys up from the Crescent. And, uh, you know, we all, and I shared that picture. That picture is on my, on my timeline. Okay. But anyway. Anyway, but, um, And what's you know, the name all, of uh, the first album recording you mentioned? Um, oh, with the abstract post recording? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cries from the Ghetto. Okay. Okay. And yeah, that was, that's, mm-hmm, go ahead, sorry. Now, so where can we find that? That is on Pi Recordings. Okay, okay. Um, so, what projects do you ha- have in the pipes? What are you working on? Well, I got a bunch. I have uh, a hand. <laughs> I guess I, I can still get. <laughs> but I have a residency at, at the new the new club just opened up Dorian's over in Wicker Park. So I've been using my group the samples. Uh, there's been a couple of different configurations, but it's where we're taking electronic influences, samples and chops, and we're putting them together and creating a live experience for you right there on the stage. So um, I got a few recordings from that I'm definitely going to put together, and we're going to actually in the process of starting a recording series, a, a series, series over there at Dorian's with that. So. That, and then we were doing other little small things. Uh, this group was comprised of myself, Brother L, um, Lionel Freeman, that's his, that's his, his uh, you know, government name, but Brother L on Arsene, and uh, Matt Davis on uh, sousaphone and flute and, and flute and, yeah, all, both of those brothers are geniuses. So, I'm, you know, I really respect playing with them and I appreciate that. But anyway, they helped along with that experience. Um... Also, with the Spencer Collective, that's that's my that's that's gonna be my my big project. And that that group is comprised of myself. Uh, I actually just shared a picture of that one time. I had a friend of mine snapped it and sent it to me and shared it. Anyway, but it's comprised of myself, uh, Tap Dash and Jumani Taylor. Amazing, you know who I'm talking about. But he's amazing, you know, and he. He's, he's a perfect example of cats coming around being willing to learn traditions because I remember when he first started coming to the film. But anyway, and Fred actually wouldn't let him in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And real talk. But anyway, so Jumani Taylor, Anti Hatwich on bass, um, Brent Griffin Jr. on alto saxophone, and Isaiah Collier on saxophone with instruments and so forth and whatnot, and myself on percussion. And we're just, we, 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 we just pre- freely create. Right there in that space, and it's like a, it's like a round. It's not like it's a round, round table. That's the way I look at. It. So it's like if you come to the table with this subject, and we all look at it, hmm, and we think about how we can improvise from that subject or that thing, and just pass around, so to speak. And then once that thing is ended, and once we've come to our our journey, you know, we move on, and the next person steps up. So so it's a round, round and a cipher. Very from that community, so group based. That's why it's called collective. Because it's a communal effort, and without that collective or those collective efforts, we can't get to that place. But that's, that's going to be my latest project. Um, actually, in the process of, uh, of working some, with some with some gentlemen overseas to get that pressed up. And yes, that's coming very soon. Uh, we a lot of things we had in the works got shut down. We had some some things in the, in the pipeline, but you know, COVID killed us. Mm-hmm. But anyway. And so, so where where can I where can we see you play now? Um, online or 
live or yes. Um, I'm in the process. Going back to what we were talking about about building. So mm-hmm. Brad, good question. I'm in the process of starting a, a weekly series over here at my place. I have a big yard. You know, I've done a couple live in, and you know, the the, the streams mm-hmm. and so to speak. So I'm gonna start a week, weekly series on Fridays. Um, I think I'm gonna start about two. You know, we're still in the process working out those tasks because I still got other, you know, schedules to deal with. Nonetheless, but it will be on Friday. So we start a series up on Friday. But we'll be in the yard, we'll be playing, and we'll be talking, but mostly mostly playing. And you'll see other you see different musicians every week. We'll be socially distanced. I got my yard socially distanced. I got the tape marked off exactly six feet. You know, so and even when you see cameras up close, because you know on the live there's a camera up close, these cats went fast. So anyway, well okay. I got that. But anyway, but yeah, so I'm in the process of doing that, and also, and and uh, make this quick, I'm doing something for the Hard Park Jazz Festival that Postcard Series I believe they have mm-hmm. going. So and where can I, we find that uh, the collaboration with the Hard Park Jazz? That's gonna series. be that's gonna be announced to the public. I think so. I think Kate's gonna do it really soon. Okay, I'm not sure. I can't not say it like that. I sound like a dude. But anyway, Kate's in the process of releasing that, so I'm not sure exactly when. But I believe this is going to, well, I know it's going to start in July. Okay. Because there's a few days through July and August, I think maybe early September. See, they're smart. They're going to get it in before the next pandemic hits. I see what they're doing. <laughs> but anyway, they offering us, they offering whether we can do it, we can do it in the community, our own community, a place of relevance or, or significance, or we can do something them where they set up a residence and get us power and do something for the people in the streets so i'm thinking of uh you know all of those different perspectives but that should be released i'm thinking in the next couple of weeks it might even be out because that's how they're going to do the hack park festival this year they're going to do it on, they're going to do it through uh not necessarily well through vir- you, can, you can either do a virtual concert or you can do a socially distanced concert so those were the two options we were given i'm going to do a socially distanced concert okay so oh yeah Keep your eyes out for that. Well, I will be sure to sh- share all your links and uh, your upcoming performances um, with our listeners. And I just want to say thank you, Isaiah. Um, I really appreciate um, you spending some time with me. And uh, yeah, I-, I appreciate it. And thank you. Um, no, thank you. Let me talk to you all. Okay.